Welcome to the eighth episode of PH Pod, a podcast brought to you by the Boston University School of Public Health and Public Health Post. I'm Nick Diamond, managing editor of PHP. In episode eight of PH Pod, we'll listen to part of Edward Alexander's conversation with Dr. Ibram X. Kendi, the director and founder of the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Research. Dr. Kendi is a leading scholar of racism, and he's the author of the best-selling book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. We start our conversation with this historian about the history of racial health disparities. You have to talk about the history of, of racist policies in, in, in order to really get an understanding of, um, you know, of, of the current sort of causes of those uh, disparities. So I just think it's absolutely critical. And even I re- recently gave a, wrote a piece in The Atlantic um, that talked about um, an incredibly critical uh, public health pioneer in Frederick Hoffman, who in 1896 wrote a book uh, called Race Traits and Tendencies of the American Negro, and what now is widely considered sort of uh, sort of health disparities data. He was literally the pioneer of health disparities data. He used the 1890 census and found all these racial health disparities and listed them in a series of tables in his book and essentially made the case that that these racial health disparities sort of not only were were sort of born of black inferiority, but they also demonstrated that black people as a group were headed towards extinction. Many of people see the research as being productive and progressive, but often it perpetuates racist systems that operate here in this country. And often it's because of a lack of history or an mm-hmm. acknowledgement of history, like you just said. Um, so I wanted to ask you specifically, how do you do anti-racist research moving forward? And does public health have a specific role in that? Sure. So, you know, I think one of the reasons why we we defined, I should say, named our center, the Center for Anti-Racist Research, is because we really wanted to answer that question by showing. Um, and And so I think, particularly as it relates to public health, we do need data um, that reveals racial health disparities. And then, and then that next step, well, first, the collection of racial health, uh, uh, the, the collection of racial data in public health is an anti-racist um, effort um, because we can't see racial health disparities, right, without the collection of, of racial health data. But then that the, the anti-racist researcher, when there are those disparities, she or he is going to ask the question, okay, what are the policies that could be behind this? While the racist researcher will, will ask, well, what are the behaviors um, or the culture um, or, or what's wrong with this racial group that they're on the lower end of this racial health disparity? How do you think COVID has changed this country's um, perception of public health? Well, I, I, I think that you certainly have had many Americans who now have come to recognize why racism, you know, is a public health crisis. And so I think the COVID racial disparities have 
been a lesson for folks, um, particularly folks who have rejected racist ideas that, that blame Latinx people for being more likely to be infected. Then they begin to see, whoa, like, you know, black and brown neighborhoods being more likely to be polluted have led to these disparities. Whoa, the fact that so many Americans are still uninsured have led to this disparity. The fact that so many Americans still live in, in trauma deserts have led to this disparity. The fact that so many Americans um, are not allowed or able based on their employment status to work from home have led to those disparities. Um, now I understand uh, how and why it's critically important to, to, to transform our policies, to transform our conditions um, in order to create more equity. So certainly some people have seen that, while other people have continued to reject um, that type of analysis. Um, so I wanted to ask, who did you write How to Be an Anti-Racist for? I try to write my books for open-minded people. And, and so when I was writing, that's what I was thinking. You know, people who are well-meaning, people who are open-minded, people who are willing to self-reflect and self-critique, people who are open to potentially transforming themselves. So those are the folks that, that I typically write for. I don't think that someone who is writing on racism and certainly someone who is writing to explain how to be anti-racist should focus, should imagine that white people are their audience. Um, I think oftentimes in these conversations, um, it's imagined that people of color have nothing to learn or gain um, when we do too. And, and, and I also don't think we should, that's another way in which we, you know, we critique out, we critique <clears throat> the standardization of white people in larger society, but then some folks want to standardize the white audience, you know, in our conversations about race and racism, and, and we shouldn't do that either there. There was a phrase that you used in the um, American Nightmare piece about stepping into the souls of the people that we've lost this year, um, named and unnamed. Um, so, and one of the things that I, as I was reading How to Be an Anti-Racist was the memoir bit, how you tied your own narrative into every chapter of the book. Um, so I wanted to ask how difficult, but important it is for us to inject ourselves um, and to step into the souls of people while we're having these conversations. Oh, that's just incredibly important. I, I think when we, when we are thinking about defining racism and anti-racism, when we're thinking about the policies we need to eliminate, the policies we need to implement, the change that we need to create, our focus should be on the victims. The, the victims who are living and the victims who are dead. Our focus should not be on the perpetrators. And obviously, in order for us to be focused on the, the victims and being a vic having a victim-centered sort of uh, conceptualization, you know, we have to step into the souls of dead people who have died from COVID-19, who have died from police violence, just as we have to be empathetic with the folks who are suffering 
still under the weight, you know, of racism. Um, and so I think it's just absolutely critical that we step outside of ourselves. And also, because even if we're, let's say, a person of color, like I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a person of color, I'm, I'm a black, cisgendered, sort of heterosexual male who's, you know, middle income, so I need to step into the souls of black working people. I need to step into the souls of black women and the souls of transgender uh, black folks. And so, so, you know, even if we're a person of color, we still need to understand what other groups of people uh, are facing, even within our own race. How do you balance the tension between individual racism and the racism of our policies without ceding to the comforts of personal responsibility or like the dread of powerlessness? So I think one of the things that I, that I was trying to emphasize in, in the book is the way the individual operates within this larger um, system, as many people call it, you know, I would call it sort of uh, this sort of collection of policies and, and, and policy makers that govern institutions, that govern communities, and the racist ideas that substantiate these, 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 these policies, you know, and policy makers. And what I, what I really attempted to do in the book was explain not only that sort of system, but the way the individual operates within that system and how the individual within that system is being racist or anti-racist. Because, you know, we, we often, we, I don't want us to believe that this system is, 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 is literally functioning on artificial intelligence. You know, it's, there are literally people, individuals, individualized and in collective associations um, with individual self-interest and shared self-interest that are defending, I should say, producing and defending racist policies, producing and defending racist ideas. And, and I think that um, it's critically important for people to know that so that they can ask themselves as individuals, you know, am I challenging racist policies or am I sort of upholding it? Um, am I being anti-racist or, 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 or racist? And, and that's a question that I think everything, every single one of us should be, should be asking. PHPOD features conversations with public health influencers. We feature their opinions on topics that may be familiar and sometimes uncomfortable. This podcast series is brought to you by the Boston University School of Public Health and Public Health Post, which informs and inflects the broader conversation on health and social justice. Every day we feature new articles about the state of the health of the population. Join the conversation on social media and subscribe to the PHP Friday Roundup to receive our stories of the week delivered to your inbox by visiting publichealthpost.org.